But Jen, here's the thing. I was in a place where I needed to put my faith back together. And I think a lot of people know what I'm talking about. Hey, Mission Uplift fam. I am thrilled for today's episode. We are kicking off the year with interviews again, and I can't think of a better way to begin 2023 than to talk about God's word. And in the next couple episodes, you'll notice the theme within each conversation is scripture, how it transforms our lives, renews our minds, and changes our hearts. And in several episodes, we will hear from various Bible teachers and authors and learn about their stories and ministries and a love of the scriptures. Today's episode is with Kat Armstrong, and I know you will enjoy it. Kat was born in Houston, Texas, where the humidity ruins her mexi German curls. She's a powerful voice in our generation as a sought after Bible teacher and innovative ministry leader. She holds a master's degree from Dallas Theological Seminary and is the author of No More Holding Back, The In-Between Place, and a six-book series called The Storyline Project, which you will hear about today. In 2008, Kat co-founded The Polished Network to embolden women in their faith and work. Kat is pursuing a doctorate of ministry in New Testament context at Northern Seminary, and she is also a board member of The Polished Network. She and her husband, Aaron, have been married for 20 years and live in Dallas, Texas with their son, Caleb, and attend Dallas Bible Church, where Aaron serves as the lead pastor. This conversation with Kat was a joy, and I am thrilled for you to hear her uplifting story and the powerful and creative ways she is uplifting the truth of God's word. Stick around to the end because I'll share more about her new Bible studies, two new Bible studies that release just next week. For now, let's dive into today's episode. Check out Uplifting the Storyline of Scripture with Kat Armstrong. Kat, it is a gift to have you here today on the Mission Uplift podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, I'm so glad to be here. I just mentioned I'm just excited to spend some time with you. I'm thrilled to spend time with you. I feel like I have known you kind of from afar um, over these last few years since I moved to Dallas to go to Dallas Theological Seminary. And there's always a bond with with people who have gone to the same seminary and at DTS. And I love how so many DTS grads just champion one another and encourage Mm -hmm. one another in their ministries. And I see how you do that in the lives of so many people. So thank you. That means a lot. You know, we got to stick together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we got, we need we each other. We really do. We do. Well, Kat, would you tell us a little bit about who you are? Sure. Well, for in short, I'm a Bible teacher and I'm an author. That's what I do. But who I am, man, I'm someone who loves to read and to eat chocolate cake um, and to spend time with my family. I've got one kiddo. And I'm someone who loves uninterrupted conversations, you know, where you could just hang out with a friend and not have a time limit on it. And um, I'll also fly a really big nerd flag for Bible stuff. And I really love getting excited about something in the scriptures and letting it being a rabbit trail that um, piques my curiosity and stimulates my imagination. So that's a little bit about me. Love it. 
love to hear the behind the scenes behind the the Bible teacher and the author, the things that bring you joy in our in our life giving. Well, it is evident, uh, even from knowing you from afar, your love for Jesus and for God's word. And how in your journey, how did um, the Bible become something that you're so passionate about? Well, when I came to faith at 16, I didn't know the difference between Moses and Abraham. Could not have told you one thing about the Bible but I came to faith and I went to the youth pastor at the church at the time and told him, I'm not a youth group girl. I'm not into games. I'm not very fun. I'm still not very fun. I'm not a camp person. I mean, I want to like, know if I'm going to follow Jesus, I want to know what the word says. And he said, you know what? There's a really, um, a really Southern lady that teaches the Bible here. She's got really big hair. She's got like 500 adults in her Sunday school class. And I bet you, even though I was only 17, he said, I bet you if you just slipped into the back, you could go unnoticed and just enjoy that adult Sunday school class instead of coming to youth group stuff. And so I started doing that, Jen, and it was Beth Moore's Sunday school class at Houston First Baptist Church. It was called Water's Edge. There were hundreds of people. She passed out, you know, notes, fill in the blank, front and back. I would hole punch those babies put them in a binder and study them during the week. And that was my base level. I, I had no perception about how to study the Bible or what women did or how they led or how you should get in the scriptures other than that Sunday school teacher, Beth Moore. So she kind of set the stage. I set the tone is a better phrase, set the tone for like what a woman does to serve God and how you get in the scriptures. And apparently, I mean, it meant a lot of work. It meant a lot of diligence. And so I watched her do that every week. And I remember meeting with her before I went as a freshman to Texas A&M. So I was going to move from Houston to College Station and I was grieving that I wouldn't be in her class anymore. And I was asking her, you know, pro tips, how do I stay connected to Jesus? Like, what should I do for my Bible study rhythms? And she said, you know, she gave me some tips. And then she said, you know, have you ever thought about going to seminary? And I, Jen, I didn't even know what a seminary was. Never heard of it. When she said it was grad school for the Bible, I was like, check and check. Like that's done. We're for sure. We're doing that. I didn't even know that existed. How do I get there? Where is the closest one? And by the time I got to college, I met my husband, Aaron. We've been married for 20 years. And when we met, we both had a passion to go to seminary. And I think that's part of our story together. So we really partnered up in that mission. So that's how I got really into studying the scriptures. That's an amazing story. Just thrown right in, in the deep end. And that's that's a beautiful thing, because I think a lot of times, uh, people don't have the opportunity to dive deep and mm -hmm. to have uplifters teach of the Bible like you, like Beth Moore, um, allows people to, to dive deep into God's word and really have an understanding of the context, really be filled with the spare eyes open to see what that means for them. Mm -hmm. What a gift. Well, one of the things I was planning to ask you is who are the uplifters in your life in the area of teaching scripture? So obviously Beth Moore is one of them. Yeah. And I would say um, some of the uplifters in my life were some of the people I met at Dallas Seminary. Um, the first that comes to mind is Dr. Glenn Kreider. 
He has been a champion for me as a person uh, for the Polish Network, something I co-founded 15 years ago. He's been on the board of directors the whole entire time of that organization. In fact, he was one of the first men in my life besides my husband that I shared that vision with. And he's such an uplifter in that he has supported us all this time. You know, so I think of him, I think of Dr. Sandra Glan, who was my very first professor at Dallas Seminary in my very first class, first semester. And so again, you have those tone setters, people who God decided that would be my first impression of what is a seminary professor? What is someone who knows more about the Bible? And then I think about, we mentioned earlier, the champions that we have in each other and in the other alumni from Dallas Seminary. I think of Reverend Joanne Hummel and um, soon to be Dr. Nika Spalding and just some of these, Jack, Dr. Jackie Reese, some of these women who have gone ahead or farther along or know more about the scriptures than I do. And by God's grace, I have some of their phone numbers and can text them and say, what does this mean? Or have you done any research in this mm -hmm. area? This isn't making sense. Or I'm preaching tomorrow in San Antonio. Will you pray for me? And I don't think I'd be I, I know for sure those are my uplifters. And then I wanted to say the best for last is definitely my husband. Um, I don't gush about him a whole lot on social media. Sometimes I find that um, a, a little overwhelming, but I, I would just like to say that that guy is in my corner and has been since day one. And I imagine him, I feel like I'm in a boxing match sometimes when I'm um, fighting myself, my own will, my <laughs> own self-deception when I'm fighting against culture, whatever it is. And I know he's in my corner. I know he's got a big sign that says, go for it. And that has been his key phrase to me over the last 20 years, go for it. Anytime I wanted to start mm. a company, wanted to start a nonprofit, wanted to go back to school, you know, I'm back in school, like you are getting a demon and same thing. Every time I approach that man, he says, go for it, babe, go for it. So I think those uplifters are really what keep me going. I love that you have that kind of a relationship with your husband to champion one another and have that encouragement, especially in the days where, you know, you have a ministry of uplifting others. And a lot of times, and this is what I feel so passionate about is uplifting the uplifters, those who are who are loving well and leading well on the front lines of the kingdom of God and to share with others and make sacrifices. And a lot of times people don't realize the need for their encouragement. I'm so with you on this, Jen. I mean, this is why I wanted to come on your show and was just geeking out that you wanted to spend time together because it is really lonely and they give you all the tips of how to fight this loneliness. It's not about being at the top. I think the loneliness comes with is there anyone else out there doing what I'm trying to do? Is there anyone who'd be willing to help me? And it can st start to feel really isolating. And what Aaron and I have found is the most uplifting part of our lives is to build relationships with other people in other ministries at other churches. Mm -hmm. We have deep, deep relationships, the people that go, we go to church with. Of course we do. And also sure. there is something unique about being friends with pastors at different churches that are outside of our orbit enough to where we can be super vulnerable about something that may be a more challenging conversation with someone who's at our church. Additionally, as a, as a nonprofit leader or a Bible study writer or a preacher, I have intentionally made friends with other women 
and um, who do similar things. And it's not because we're trying to create a club. It's because I'm lonely and I need someone else who is also writing sermons that I can text and say, how do you deal with this? You know, mm-hmm. so it's just like in our education programs, we're trying to find people who are not just like-minded, but interested in the same thing so that we can sharpen one another. That has been the most uplifting to our journey. I'm so thankful that you have those kind of people in your life because we hear stories of uh, leaders, ministry leaders, Bible teachers, pastors who who don't have friends. And to know that you have that is encouraging. And I'm grateful that you have those people who can be encouraging to you. Along the way, along your journey, I imagine there have been ups and downs and um, all sorts of roller coasters. Are there scriptures that have been anchors for you in your in your season of life? Yeah, in this most recent season, I have been camped out in Psalm 23. And in the I think it's the CSB that I'm using on a daily basis. That particular translation says the phrase I have what I need. And I will find myself rehearsing that to myself to make sure it really mm. gets like from my head to my heart really gets resonated yeah. in my soul. I have what I need. I have what I need. I have what I need. And you can tell that I probably have to say that because oftentimes I'm like, I don't have what I need. I don't, I don't even know what I need. And I don't know who to ask for what I need. And the needs that I have seem so great. Am I going to overwhelm people if I were to really share the needs that I have? And Mm -hmm. would the needs even make sense if I tried to explain it? And so I have found great comfort in that phrase in Psalm 23, it says, I have what I need. And after I say it enough times and prayed enough times and mm-hmm. use it in Lectio Divina in my daily time with the Lord, I will sense, you know what? I have met someone who said something about that, mm-hmm. or I'm a part of a Facebook group where I could post about something, or I followed someone on Instagram who was talking about that. And I think part of it is almost like being a Sherlock Holmes when it comes to figuring out what we need and who can help us with that. Um, But that has uplifted me time and time again to know that my needs are richly met, of course, in Christ Jesus, that we know that from Philippians. But additionally, in the Old Testament, even David was writing about God meeting all of our needs. I have gone through a season now where we, we were talking about Ignatius before briefly, and I'm actually going through the Ignatian spiritual exercises in the season. And uh, my spiritual director encouraged me to pick a translation I don't normally read in uh, to, to have just a different slant, a different lens um, into the scriptures on this journey. And I've been reading the Holman Christian Standard Bible um, along the way. And it's amazing how just one or two words will pop. And, um, and I have noticed that. In fact, I remember one Psalm 23 being, being one of the scriptures one week, and it, it just changes. It's just amazing how the spirit will shine a light on something. And one word can lead me down a journey of wondering and praying and encouragement that um, it doesn't feel so familiar it comes alive in a fresh new way. Oh, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Now, how did you, you've, you've, you've started 
a network, the Polish Network for Women in the Workplace. Um, you've been teaching the Bible for years. You're involved in ministry at your church. And you knew early on that you wanted to teach the Bible. You wanted to go to seminary. How how was it for you in in those early stages in stepping out in faith to launch something, to, uh, to begin a new journey of business or ministry? How, how was that for you early on? Well, I think it would be based on the day. You know, I'm sure some days I woke up and would have told you, Jen, the Lord is so good and I'm so on fire and I know that he's told me to do this and I've had it affirmed by the people mentoring me and we've got the support that we need. But I think if you asked me the very next day, potentially I would be bemoaning, I have no idea what I'm doing. I feel very, I feel imposter syndrome to the 10th degree, you know, um, I think it's just a lot of ups and downs when you're willing to start something new. And obviously, if you're starting something new, there's likely not something that already meets a need. And so mm. that can already position you to feel a little bit isolated. Am I the only one who needs this? Will this work? Will it resonate with others? Right. And I think starting something new for me personally, everyone's different. I mean, some people need to have a whole plan worked out. I love that. I love when people have a full worked plan. For me personally, it's more like what's the next right step to borrow Emily Freeman's mm. amazing title to her book. What really is that right, right next step? And I try to only focus on that. So I don't live a whole lot in the past or too much in the future, but very much so what can I do today to move, to advance this vision forward. And God really does provide what I, what I've needed for sure. It is often because of a need, right? That's stepping out in faith and just are taking our loaves and fish and, and offering them up and, and seeing God multiply and do amazing things. And, but man, that imposter syndrome is real. It can be debilitating at times. And that's where, you know, having those anchor scriptures in your life and having those people in your life really uh, is so foundational and important, not only in the the times where there's joy and excitement and things to celebrate, but in those in those tough seasons. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think um, one of the anchoring verses and knowing the right people and really making intentional efforts to get to know people that you're going to need to know that can save us from so much heartache because if we depend on what's on our social media feed or what we see coming across, you know, our inbox, man, we're sunk. We are sunk. If you need to be uplifted, that is a way to crash and burn. <laughs> and I have actually made it a habit to unfollow people. I am likely to compare myself to and at the end of the day, I ask myself, do I need to know what this person is up to? Will knowing mm. what they are up to serve me? Does it serve? The, what, mm. what, is the, what purpose is the serving? And I find that some of the best work I do is when I have like shut all of that out and that I'm mm. texting the people who know me best, who love me most, right? Who are most invested in the missions we're on together that that's what really matters. But man, we get that imposter syndrome can just unravel 
when um, we use our inbox or social media to determine whether we're doing yeah. a good job or not. The comparison trap. And it's so true that line that it's the thief of joy. And, mm -hmm. and yet we know joy is a, a fruit of the spirit. And I mm -hmm. think sometimes, you know, our looking at our feeds and camping out in our inboxes is taking us away from abiding and being able to to be reminded and refreshed in in who Jesus is and who we are in him and being able to go forward with that confidence that he's already provided and he knows mm -hmm. he knows the track that we're on yep i think a lot of times in my in my life i have been reminded uh, by Hebrews 12 and, you know, fixing my eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of my faith, and just had that, that vision of being able to run the race that's marked out for me. And the reminder to just stay, stay in your lane, Jen, stay in your lane. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. if I'm focusing on him, I'm not looking to who's running in the lane next to me who may seem like they're a little faster or they have better posture or whatever that that looks like in their journey um they're doing what god's called them to do and i'm i'm meant to do what he's called me to do and that looks different and every lane is different but he's called us called us to himself and when we look at him look to him we're able to run that race that's so good jen well your race has included a lot of writing I remember going to your your book signing for your first book, No More Holding Back. Last year, towards the end of the year, I think it was probably about this time, actually, I really felt led to uh, to pick up your second book. I hadn't read it yet, and I, it just kind of kept getting that nudge. And I think I might have been off social media for a time because it was okay. deadline season in my demon program, and I yeah. needed to <laughs> stay in my lane. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> Uh, but I was so, so blessed by both of your books and the timing, I think, of, of reading the both in my life uh, was just amazing and so spirit led. And mm -hmm. I thank you for your words and how God has wow. led you to write these different books. And then now, of course, the project that you are um, immersed in now, the Storyline Project, and mm -hmm. would love for you to share a little bit about that that journey for you. Yeah, Jen, first, I just want to say thank you for sharing that with me. I mean, it sounds really trite for me to say thank you, but seriously, I mean, that's why you sit down to write. You just hope that one person out there resonates with what you're saying. And um, that means so much to me. So thank you. I'm really going to camp out on that later and think about the providence of God's timing, how you may have an idea to write a blog post or an article or a book about something and not know how many years later that may impact someone and be exactly what they need to hear. God is so yeah. good like that. He is so good to send us what we mm -hmm. need when we need it. Um, you asked about the storyline. Yes. I mean, it, when people tell me I look tired, I'm like, you have no idea. <laughs> like, <laughs> do I? Oh, that's shocking. I'm like, I know that I do because I am. But I'm that good tired, you know, for I don't yeah. run unless I'm being chased. But my friends tell me that run, that, that that's how they feel after a marathon. They're like, you feel so depleted, but you're also kind of on this high from all the endorphins. That's mm. how I feel. I feel 
like my tank is really full, but I want to take a nap, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's been a fun year and I can honestly stay with the storyline series. So this is a six title Bible study curriculum. And so there's mountains, valleys, sticks, stones, sinners, and saints. So six mm -hmm. Bible studies total all within one series. I'm following a person, place, or thing through the scriptures. And I can say with authority, I am more interested now, 18 months later after studying these things than I was when I began. I mean, I cannot mm. stop talking about trees in the Bible. I cannot stop talking about rocks in the Bible. And if mm. you're listening right now and you're like, who is this lady? What is she talking about? <laughs> I, you know, definitely I have nerded out, but Jen, here's the thing. I was in a place where I needed to put my faith back together. And I think a lot of people know what I'm talking about, whether we are like picking things out of the scripture to apply to our lives. That's one way we can feel fragmented, mm -hmm. whether we've been through a lot of trauma. And so we feel like internally we feel fragmented, or mm -hmm. maybe you're repositioning your faith, rebuilding your faith, you're reconstructing your faith. Whatever that looks like, I think a lot of us are trying to put our faith back together, you know, and form a cohesive understanding of who God is, what he wants from yeah. us. And that's why I wrote the storyline series. I truly believe that the Bible is a literary masterpiece and that God in his artistic brilliance wrote one cohesive unified story of redemption from Genesis to Revelation. And that if you will even just follow one little thread through that story mm -hmm. of redemption, you could follow infinite numbers of storylines through the scripture only to realize there has to be someone writing this story from like a real meta level, because there is mm -hmm. no way that all of this could coordinate. There is no way. And so I think for me, it really encouraged my faith in God. There is one true living God and he has to exist because there's no way that over 40 different authors over 1500 years in 66 different books could have this mm -hmm. type of cohesion. And for me, I see that most through Bible symbols. So I'm talking about mountains. I do a whole study on mountains and that all came. I was sipping hot chocolate in Broken Bow and waiting for my boys to get back from whatever they were doing in the woods. And I'm reading Dr. Pennington's commentary on the Sermon on the Mount. And he just has like one little off phrase in the book about how Jesus was tempted on a mountain. He preaches his most famous sermon on a mountain. He's transfigured on a mountain. Mm. He commissions his disciples on a mountain. And my mind was just like, what? I have never thought wow. about mountains in the book of Matthew. So I spent the next six months looking up every single time mountains are mentioned in the scripture. And I'm like, oh yeah, Mount Sinai, kind of important to our faith history and Mount Moriah, kind of important yeah. to our faith history. And what I saw, Jen, is that the high points geographically in the text of these historical narratives, real places, real times, real people, they happened, also become symbols that they are the high points in our faith. That just like mm. when someone tells you, man, when I get on top of a mountain, I just feel so close to God. I feel like I'm closer to the heavens. I, I see a wider perspective. I see what God sees. I feel so connected to him. Yes, that's what happens in the Bible too. The high points in our faith happened on mountaintops. And that can be like a, a, a symbol for how things go in our life. So of course I studied mountains. Well, then I had to study valleys. You know, you can't, right. there's no mountain too high. There's no valley too low. So 
I spent a significant amount of time just looking up every mm. single time valleys are in the scripture. And I started to see a pattern. You know, this is uh, Joshua and Caleb are in a valley when they fear the giants in the promised land. Deborah and Jael yeah. are in a valley when they defeat their enemy. Mm. Uh, David defeats Goliath in a valley. Like when I'm depressed, I go to Psalm 23, the valley of shadow of death. Like when I need to be reminded mm -hmm. of hope, I go to Ezekiel 37, the valley of dry bones. Like give me some resurrection hope. And I started to see how right. the low points in our lives mirror what's happening geographically in the scriptures that these mm -hmm. valley settings reminded God's people that God's with them at their lowest points. And so I've just found different interests, what I'm going to call storylines in the scripture and followed them. And now we have the storyline series. As you can tell, I could talk about this all day long. <laughs> what an exciting study. And it must have been amazing for you to write. It's been so fun. And I tell people things in my personal life, some circumstances have been so hard, so challenging. And yet mm. it's been the best year of my adult life studying the Bible. Mm. I mean, it just, it was wow. the backdrop to some really hard things. But, you know, I think for a lot of us, um, the Bible becomes boring. We don't mean for it to, of course we, mm. it's the word of God. We want to treasure it as it is a treasure. Yeah. But if I'm honest, you know, the busyness of life and the hurriedness of my schedule. And I've heard that before attitude, like we need a different new way, oh. a fresh way to come to the text. We will yeah. never get too old to find new ways to experience the spirit of God through his word. And so for me, as you can tell, I'm fired up right now because I found something yeah. that has my full attention. Um, and I even created Jen and this assessment for people that they could download on my website. It's free. And after 20 years of teaching the Bible, I've really noticed that people typically read the Bible one of three ways. And once I figured out how I'm typically reading the Bible, I was able to go, how do I broaden my perspective? And that's part of what the storyline is about. If people have been, you know, studying by book or verse or topic, I love all those ways. I love it. I just think the storyline's a little bit different and it'll be mm -hmm. something maybe fresh. That's amazing. That is absolutely amazing. Now, who is the storyline project for? Yeah, it's for curious Bible readers. So men or women, young or old. I know of a couple of youth groups that really want to use the content. I also know of a lot of women's Bible studies and discipleship groups that are planning on using it in the spring. But I would just say it is for curious Bible readers. And it's also for people who need to put their faith back together that feel mm -hmm. like it's a little fragmented or they're rebuilding and they need to see something that creates a storyline and creates that cohesion and reminds them that there's a God behind all these amazing stories. So that's who it's for. And I hope, I think you've seen the covers. I was really hoping yes. to position them so that men wouldn't feel like it was very flowery or just for women. Sure. It's, it's not, I don't have a lot of stories in there about um, being a woman. It is really all about um, the Bible symbols. One of the uh, ways I was trying to be intentional with the series was to quote a lot of female scholars and a lot of scholars of color mm. and um, just creating that discipline for myself to diversify the voices that were influencing how I was interpreting what I was reading. 
And so when you open the books, you'll see that there are quotes kind of snuck in from lots of female and scholars of color. And then at the back of the studies, there's a further reading, suggested reading list where you can dive a little bit deeper. And I list a bunch of resources that the same type of thing. So I think people will enjoy um, some of the intentionality, even with my early readers, I had almost all seminary graduates checking my work, helping me and then some of my early endorsers were new and Old Testament scholars that I was saying, please help me make something that is right. <laughs> like, please, please help me to say things that are accurate and well-researched. Mm. Um, and I think I do take some, I, I take some liberties. I, I make some, a, a few risks in there where I say things like, I'm not sure, but I kind of wonder if maybe this is what we are talking about here. And, um, so I think they'll enjoy it. That's great. That is great. And exciting that you've had so many people along the journey to join you in, in reading and in supporting and giving you feedback. And wow. Wow. I just yeah, think I of think... the people who will read it, you know? Oh, well, thank you for that. You know, something that I've learned the hard way, Jen, is with my first two books, I don't know where I thought arrived at this assumption, but I thought that you locked yourself in a room and wrote something great and your editor really helped you make it better. And then you launched it into the world and you found people who would rally around the message. And I have reversed that order this go around and instead started with, Hey, almost like you do in your demon program where you find a core group of people to really journey with you through your, the information you're studying. I've done that with the storyline where I've said, Hey, can we come to, I, I was teaching through it before I was writing it. So it's almost like I'm wow. really getting a more community um, investment in what it was doing. And I, I think you get that vibe. If you go to the website, the storylineproject.com, yeah. I made a section that just lists out everyone who's a part of this project. This was a community effort. And I hope people hear that because I don't think they got that vibe from me on the first two books. I felt like I was alone trying to do something hard. Mm. And now I feel like I'm in community with people and I'm not wrapped up in, will will this sell? Will this reach a lot of people? The people that I trust the most had voices yeah. in this content before it went to the editor. And I have found mm -hmm. that's really, that's feeding my soul. It's really encouraging yeah. me in this season. I want to keep doing it that way. Um, it takes a little bit more time to do. And, you know, there are a lot of cooks in the kitchen. You can get a little confused at times, like what what's mm -hmm. the right thing to do. But ultimately, I would get feedback from early readers that are like, I don't know if I agree with you on this, but I think the research is solid. You know, that was so helpful. And so I think we're yeah. I think we're launching this series not to launch it, but there's a lot of support behind the titles because a lot more people were involved. It just, it wouldn't have been a success without everybody. And there's such a joy to have people along for the ride and uh, praying with you, I'm sure, lifting you up in <laughs> prayer um, and celebrating with you <laughs> in such an exciting time to be sharing this <laughs> phenomenal message. I mean, can anything be greater than the story of scripture? And to now offer it in, in this, this, this different slant. You know, to, yeah, yeah, to to meet people right where they're at. Mm -hmm. Thank you for saying that. I think this has been a special journey for my personal spiritual growth, and I think part of it is that I waited 
a year from signing the contract to talking about it in public. But everyone in my life who's a friend who prays for me in Bible study with me and small group with me, everyone knew for 12 months. And it's it was like mm. the opposite with the first yeah. couple of titles where it was like, yay, let's go to Instagram and share the fun news. And that's awesome. I'm, I'm all about that. I want to celebrate what God's doing in your life. Yeah. For me personally, I just needed a year to like do the work, to do the work mm. and for people to invest in me and to pray. And by the time we even just announced that I was working on this project, the people who journeyed with me were like, yeah, girl, we've been praying about it a year. And so that I think I want to do it again that way. If I get a chance to write more in this series, I want to do that again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I am celebrating with you, Kat, and so thrilled for this opportunity um, to just see how, get a little glimpse of the behind the scenes of your process in writing and in and doing life and being able to interact with people along the way and to know what's what's coming out and what people will have access to is a time that will lead to, you know, prayerfully exactly what you have shared, the best year of studying the Bible in your whole life. I mean, that's a, that's a strong statement. That's not something that I, I, I don't think you said that lightly. And, mm-hmm. and wow, I just pray that that will be the case for all who are diving into God's word in this next year. Yes. Oh, I second and I amen that. That is the prayer yeah. every day, that this would just spur holy curiosity in people who read something and go, I want to read that again for myself. I want to go yeah. and check that out again. And if that happens, the goal has been reached, you know, and so that thank yeah. you for praying that for the people who might read the storyline. I'm going to join you in praying that too. Well, I wonder as we close our time together, if you would uh, take a few moments to maybe speak to the listener or someone who's watching this, who may be on the fence, maybe picking up the pieces of their life, uh, maybe have curiosity mixed with a little skepticism, or they're just bored, right? Like you said, sometimes just bored with scripture. Um, Maybe say a few words to to speak to them and if you would to to pray to pray mm-hmm. uh, for those who are listening and watching absolutely yeah i think what i would say to them jen is abandon the plan and go with something that just piques your curiosity i mm. love bible reading plans i love the apps i love being on the email list so no shade to that i'm going to keep doing it i love it But if you find yourself just in a rut and the same things just aren't working, abandon those plans and don't feel Mm. guilty about it. Um, Find something that piques your curiosity in the scriptures and follow it like a rabbit trail and let your imagination run wild. If one word pops out to you tomorrow when you read the Bible, look it up other times that it's used or go read a book about that subject or go to the internet Mm. and search blogs written about that, you know. Let your imagination run wild. That's what I would encourage you to do. And then Jen, I would love to pray for them. Is that okay if I do that now? Absolutely. Yeah. Please. Lord Jesus. Oh, Lord Jesus, we love you. We love you. We love your word. And sometimes our circumstances just prevent us from getting in it. And then sometimes when we're in there, we're just so confused and sometimes get bored. And we just confess that to you, God. 
And I know that you're okay with that. I know that we can always come to you and say that, but I just want to clear the air and say that happens. Um, and Father, I just ask that your spirit would encourage us in this moment that it's okay to go a different direction in our Bible reading plans. It is okay to abandon whatever um, rhythm we've set up so that we could really enjoy time with you, experience you, to encounter you. And so I pray, Holy Spirit, that that's what you would lead us to in the scriptures, an encounter with you. And I pray for those of us who feel a little wearied, um, a little disillusioned. God, encourage our faith, encourage our soul, fill our tanks. We need it so desperately. And God, I pray for those of us who are curious, um, maybe a little disillusioned too. God, will you just give us that extra measure of enthusiasm for you so that we can come back to you and we can read all about you. We love you, Jesus. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Kat, thank you. Thank you for taking the time to, to come on the podcast and share your story, your story of falling in love with scripture and, and now sharing the truth of God's word in so many beautiful and creative ways. And I am grateful to have connected with you and am excited to celebrate this, this study coming out, um, which is not that far away. Thank you so much, Jen. You uplift so many people. So I hope you feel uplifted today too. Thank you. Wasn't that an incredible conversation? I enjoyed hearing Kat's story and love for the scriptures. And I am excited about her upcoming Mountains and Valleys Bible Studies that release on Tuesday, January 17th. There's still time to pre-order both of those studies. And guys, I encourage you to grab copies of both. I'll include links to Kat's books and all six studies of the Storyline Project, as well as links to Kat's website and social media profiles. So follow her online and send Kat a word of encouragement. Let's remember to uplift the uplifters. I hope this conversation was a blessing to you. It certainly was to me. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd love for you to like this video, drop a comment and share what stood out to you and subscribe to the Mission Uplift YouTube channel. And if you're listening to the podcast, consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. We're back next week with another uplifting conversation that you do not want to miss. Thanks for stopping by today, Mission Uplift fam. I am always grateful. See you soon.